there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. The Karakarn has leave to enter my hold. For the chief of chiefs, there is even water and shade at Cold Rocks. Ran chapter 49, The Shadow Rising. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend, Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend, Amber. And this is the road to Tarvalon. Today, jumping in with chapters 47 through 50. I'm excited. I'll just go ahead and start. I shortened up the summary hugely. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Chapter 47, The Truth of a Viewing. Swan finds herself in a situation she fears above any other. There is fighting in the tower and safety depends on which side you choose. Min risks it all and provides an escape for Swan and Leanne from Tarvalon. As they leave the city, Swan finds an unexpected chance for revenge. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I, w I had like four paragraphs. And I was like, that's too much for a summary. That's too much. Reel it in. Reel it in. Yeah, I was like, that's that's too much. Stop that. You're going to talk about it. Keep it short. <laughs> Whenever I do it, I like to try and think of the most memorable thing that happened mm -hmm. for people who aren't currently reading along with us. So they're like, mm -hmm. oh the chapter where in this case swan is deposed right Oof. Oof. with this chapter i was like i had forgotten we were gonna get the deposing of swan still in book four because so much was happening and we're getting so close to the end and i forgot that it also all gets crammed into just one chapter one chapter yeah i mean it's a very memorable chapter but there's not like, it's not very drawn out, I guess. Mm -mm. No, it's very, it's very concise and to the point of what's happened, even though we get two viewpoints, like we get Swan and we get Min. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, man, I'm glad that we get this from Swan's perspective, but I really kind of wish we had it from Elida's. It'd be so different. Yeah, so often with these chapters, it always feels like it would be cool to see things from a different point of view. But yes. I guess that's what the show's for, you know? Yes. I'm, I think, like, I think this has a potential to be a really impactful scene all the way around. Because, like, we have Swan fretting in her study about what's going on. And I love this whole, like, Danelle is being too dreamy, even for Brown, and there are too many workmen coming in to work on this one thing, and Swan, like, thinks about it for a second and then just pushes it aside, and it's like, <gasps> Yeah. It's going to come back and bite you. Well, there's, <gasps> I mean, the very beginning of this chapter, we have so many little plot points being dropped mm -hmm. in, and mm. it's all through the actions of Swan going through her mm -hmm. notes and her intel and mm -hmm. guarding it away in her little box that she has warded. 
Mm-hmm. But it's cool because we find out from her perspective, she's learning. Rand has taken Kalendor. Mm-hmm. We have learned about Masima. Mm-hmm. We have also learned that there are reports of sisters vanishing in Ilian and Camelin. Yes, yeah. And Mazram Taim is still out and not captured doing God knows what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just like this section to like an end of a paragraph where she says too many of her agents had gone silent. There were lionfish out there and she was swimming in darkness. Yeah. Swan. Yeah. And I mean, she's she's feeling a lot of rage mm. as soon as everyone barges in because mm-hmm. how dare they? She's the Amarlin seat. You can't just walk into her room. Right. And you get the feeling that something is seriously wrong when she does her best Swan Sanche mm-hmm. putting everyone in line and not a reaction from anyone. And mm-hmm. Elida's little smile doesn't touch her eyes and you're like oh no oh no this is not good so bad the whole reason that these Aes Sedai have been able to depose Swan and take her into captivity is because they have done an excellent job of I guess pulling rank and then getting mostly Mm -hmm. all of the blue Aja out of the tower at this one point so Mm -hmm. They've been working a lot behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. and I think it was Shay and Discord a while ago had mentioned, don't you feel like Swan Sanjay should have maybe had an inkling that something was coming? Because it's Swan Sanjay. Like, she is legendary. New Spring, she's pulled into the Eyes and Ears network because she's very gifted and putting these clues together. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a disappointment, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, going back to the beginning of our recording, it would have been interesting to get a clue of something like this happening from Mm -hmm. another character, from another point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. Because this just feels like whiplash. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. what? Oh my mm-hmm. god, like this is happening? Mm-hmm. This is so unexpected. <laughs> yes. I mean, we have, I think the only real hint we get at this is when Alvieran approaches Elida and is like, hey, let's talk. But even then, like the thought that that little conversation is going to, like, become the deposing of the current Amarillan is, like, it's almost impossible to even comprehend because it's happened so rarely in the entire time that the tower has existed. Like, there are places, like, there are things put in place to make sure that this is not an easy thing to do, and Elida just skirts through by the letter of the law to make this happen, quote-unquote, legally. And it's yes. And I mean, even that, like, how how did she not pick up on like potential gatherings that sitters were having? How was she not more suspicious of more men being brought into the tower? Like, she knows she's in danger. Why isn't she on high alert? Damn, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this is something that this show could kind of add a sprinkling in of because Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to see more different 
perspectives and not just like our standard point of views in the book like we'll have more of a Mm -hmm. bird's eye view of the story I think so and I think that's gonna make it like almost in some ways that you can choose whose perspective you want to look at it from and that's kind of fun yeah the only difference is you don't get to hear those inner thoughts Mm, which so good oh my god I can just think of what Elida is thinking right now right you've had this coming swan you've had this coming decades of resentment i did i had to write this down love the moment that she's brought in to her cell and we don't get to see like the beatings that she received and the actual stilling itself which again pretty sure we're gonna see that on screen Mm -hmm. but when she's down there she's thinking to herself about bone win the Mm -hmm. Aes Sedai the Amerlin who was stilled. And I think Mm -hmm. this is probably the most recent one, Mm -hmm. at least that I can remember. But this is the the Amerlin that pretty much destroyed Manethrin. And Mm -hmm. it's her Mm -hmm. fault because she had this rivalry with Eldreen that Mm -hmm. she studied with in the White Tower. She was jealous of this woman. And, of course, when Manethrin's like, we need help, we, ne- we need help, she wasn't going to let anyone go save a, not even a real rival, just someone she was jealous of. And it's yeah. typical Aes dying, where it's like, oh, they just, they gotta, gotta have this backstabbing and plotting, don't they? Yeah. But Bonewin is like this cautionary tale, and so mm-hmm. Swan is kind of thinking like, you know, I'll have their hides. And as we see with women who have been stilled, they mm-hmm. need something to cling on to so they aren't hit with that depression. And so you already get mm-hmm. the, the beginnings of her quest. Like, this is what's going to keep her sane. This is what's going to keep her fighting. And it's right, yeah. revenge mm-hmm. or justice, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, there's no reason why they can't be both. <laughs> This you know, <laughs> I do like, okay, so just one moment still in the study before we, no, two, actually, before we even get to the cells, that moment when Elida like takes the stole off of Swan's neck and is like, you don't need this anymore. Oof, anger, boiling rage, that moment. But then the other thing is her warder. Her warder was killed before anyone entered her study how did she miss that this has to be just an accidental like haven't really figured out the timeline of everything okay or or it's just like it's happening the moment that like we cut away from that conversation like it's like there's so much shock happening it's not even processable is that a word? <laughs> well, like, I'm just thinking if when they're in her study, like, they're having this exchange, mm-hmm. and then, like, from the moment that she's brought out the door, you know, like, maybe there's, like, a split second where, like, as soon as we leave her point of view, that's when it happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I possible. Hi, Lord Tatara, like, points out that the whole thing happened really quick, and I mean, it did, and so it makes sense. 
in that respect. But at the same time, just like, how did you miss that? Like, we know what that bond severing feels like from, I think, from Alana. And so I'm just like, how did she miss that? How did she not feel that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Signs point to maybe Robert Jordan not really fully having like a like full idea exactly mm. how he was going to make it because mm-hmm. obviously with Alana we have this kind of like she's disappearing, we don't really know what she's doing. She's probably just going off somewhere and crying, mm-hmm. but it's not like right up in your face. Mhm. We didn't get to see any big shock moment where she's, you know, on her knees, screaming, crying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe he just hadn't fully thought out what that was going to look like yet. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking of that part where she's like, I felt every arrow that hit him. I mean, in the show, if they do this, like, what would be pretty uh, awful and also badass would be just to have someone slitting his throat as swans being brought out of her study. And then it all lines up. It all happens at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could even do it in a way where she's immediately hit with, like, the binding air weaves. So she's, Mm -hmm. like, struggling, and you can see her struggling. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to him getting killed and her eyes, like, going wide or maybe, Mm -hmm. like, a tear, Mm -hmm. but she can't move. So you know Mm -hmm. something's happening. Or mm, flinching mm-hmm. or struggling. So it would still potentially happen off screen and it would be portrayed through what Swan is experiencing. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that too. I like that. I mean anybody can do anybody can do wailing and rage, I feel right. like. You know, like sure. I can see Sophie pulling that off really well. What? That emotion, like, showing what's going on through her acting. Like, if they chose to do it in the way that, that you, like, you had just described, where it's up to the, the actor to show what's going on. I think Sophie Okanedo could really do a good job. Yeah, what I was going to say is, I feel like many actors, they can do rage or crying or screaming. Like, that seems a lot easier than just sheer emotion on your face while you're mm-hmm. not really moving. Mm-hmm. I think she could do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She has a wonderfully expressive quality to the the characters that she brings to screen. I really yeah. like her in everything I've seen her in. Just those moments where she's <laughs> where Moraine, I want to say, is excommunicated, but that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it is. Mm-hmm. Out of the tower in the TV show, you can tell by their acting this like reserved, quiet sadness, and mm-hmm. it's it's really distressing because mm-hmm. it's not the screaming and wailing. It's just very. They're holding it in as much as they can and just by a thread. And Mm -hmm. it's really impressive. Mm -hmm. I agree. If we go back to the cells and the torture of Leanne and Swan, who did that? And how? Like, can they use the one power for torture? I'm thinking of ways that they can. But I can't say it because it's a spoiler. <laughs> okay, okay. There's, I'm just... 
I mean, unless they actually, you know, like I'm thinking of the mistress of the novices, like they can physically torture someone mm-hmm. without using the one power. Mm. But I don't know how, if we're going with the three oaths, mm-hmm. you can't use those weaves against someone unless your life is in danger. Mm-hmm. So there is a very fine line. But again, we see it in New Spring when Elena is. I was is just thinking of that. Helping mm-hmm. Moraine mm-hmm. and Quote Swan mm-hmm. study for their accepted test. She, mm-hmm. you know, she, she tortures them. Yeah, like to the point where they need healing. So, I mean, thank you. Because when I was, when I was reading it, I was just like, how can they. How can they do this? Like, I just don't, like, with all of the things that are supposed to be there to restrict Aes Sedai from the horrible behavior that people assume they are capable of, the things that they do that are really horrible <laughs> and still get away with is kind of astonishing, really. And, I mean, it kind of goes back to, like, other conversations where we've had where, like, the wording of things, the way that you can work around that can be a weakness in something. Yeah. There's a big clue in the fact that the blue Aja and green Aja aren't in the tower. Mm-hmm. And we can point to Mazram Taim. The mm-hmm. Reds would have spearheaded his hunt, right? And they would probably mm-hmm. have taken a lot of Green Aja with them. Mm-hmm. So, if we're going to go into conspiracy mode, <laughs> we could make this a Red Aja plot, seeing as how Elida seems to be kind of spearheading this operation right now with Swan, or she at mm-hmm. least seems to be the person in charge. Mm-hmm. If I were a betting person, I would say that this is probably a nice little tidy plot we've got going on with Mazarum mm-hmm. Taim mm-hmm. and the Red Aja, specifically Elida. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I was just thinking like how the Red Aja does have something in its recent past that kind of points to its ability to come together and make some really horrible decisions. Well, since we've already, I mean, I don't, if you want to say what it is, I'm not opposed to that. I'm just thinking of the vileness in particular, like yeah. that whole mess. And it's really not that long ago that that happened. Elida may or may not have been involved in it. Like, Yeah, about 20 years, 19, mm-hmm. 18 years mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. I do, okay, I feel like I have so many questions around this chapter. I tried looking this up. Do you know if Elida had been one of the potential choices for Amerlin when Swan was chosen? According to this chapter, that's what it sounds like. That's what I was thinking, too. And if she wasn't a potential choice... It sounds as though she thinks she would have been a potential choice, and so she's carrying that yeah. chip on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, how I read it, too, but I couldn't find anything that, like, mentioned who else may have been 
up for election for the Amarillo because I'm sure different Ajas had different people that they would have wanted to see, like sitting in the Amarillo seat. But I don't know. It just like like you said, it just feels like another one of those situations where Elida gets a chip on her shoulder because she doesn't get what she thinks she deserves. Like she should have been chosen Amarillo seat. She'd been Aes Sedai longer. She was also considered very powerful, like all the things that she would need to have to be considered for the Amarillo seat were there. So yeah, to be looked over for someone so young. Right, right. But I also feel like with New Spring, if we're going to go into conspiracy mode, say there's dark friends, say there's Black Aja, because (laughs) at this point, there's Black Aja. It would make sense to put someone young and maybe like naive in charge so that they would be easier to manipulate. So it's Mm -hmm. very possible Mm. that they went with Swan thinking she'll be easy to control or Mm -hmm. we can just, you know, overtake her at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It's not an ineffective tactic sometimes, sometimes. I don't I don't want to spend like a whole bunch of time asking questions especially considering time and whatnot. Were there any particular moments that you wanted to touch on from this chapter? I guess the whole quickness of men getting snuck in, freeing them and then them getting out with Gawain's help and the reader and Swan pretty much learning at the same time that Gawain is mm. fighting on the side of the Aes Sedai that have stilled Swan. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones who are complicit in killing Swan's warder. These mm-hmm. goddamn younglings. I hate, <laughs> I hate these guys. Oh. They're pretty awful. Not a fan. I'm just mm. thinking in my head of what... <laughs> Like a little militia of 17, eight year, 17, 18 year olds would look like, you know, that age range. Age yeah. range. And I'm like, yeah. Ugh. ugh. Make, them, make them a bunch of dudes that are like popped up with <laughs> adrenaline. Hi, Lord Tatara says, Younglings, worst crew name in Wheel of Time. <laughs> it really is. No one wants to be called that. No one. <laughs> It's just terrible. It's so cheesy. It's so uh-huh. cheap. Hello, youngling. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, snakes and foxes. Thank you. I appreciate Swan's observation of thinking that Gallad would be the more dangerous of the two between Gallad and Gawain. But I'm also like, where is Gallad? That is a great question. Right? Like, where's Gallad? What's he doing? It's not like he was spending time outside the tower all the time. I mean, unless he was hanging out with some white cloaks. It would be hilarious if it was actually, like, Galad in control of everything and Gawain was, like, out on the outside but pretending he's the one in charge and that's why he's just (laughs) loitering about (laughs) and is able to catch Swan and them coming out. Maybe. He's like, oh yeah, I was super busy, guys. What's that? What's going on? <laughs> Younglings, to me. Yeah. Ugh. Why? <laughs> Why? Anyway. 
I had a lot of questions around this chapter, which I don't know if I usually have, but I, I actually really appreciate this, like, power takedown and shift that happens in the series because this fracture is going to take us in so many directions as far as the rest of the series is concerned. And I enjoy it. Like the emotions involved, the crazy weird questions that I still have around it. The fact that there are younglings, why? But still, I'm here for it. I really like it. Yeah. I like how this ends with Swan already plotting her revenge because they see this Definitely. lone man kind of wandering about and it is Loghain and Loghain has every right in the world to be completely pissed at Swan Sanche, but he doesn't even recognize her at first so mm-hmm. I mean okay that tracks mm-hmm. but she's I just, I love this woman. She's like, okay, I'm going to use this to my advantage now. And obviously Loghain is just, he is not in a good state. This man Mm -mm. has gone through it all. But now there's a common ground between the two of them because they are both living out the worst thing that could possibly happen to them as channelers. And Mm -hmm. they're not going to get along right away or maybe at all even but Mm -hmm. now there is this common ground Mm -hmm. yeah there are so many like there were so like you said at the beginning so many plot points dropped in throughout the beginning of the chapter and then the deposing and then the escape and all of this stuff with Gawain and where is Galad and like how many different paths are we creating at this point that like Happened in just one chapter. One chapter. That's it. Yeah. It feels like this could have been, if this was a later book, like if it was happening in like book nine or something, this would have been 10 chapters long, (laughs) I feel like. Right? (laughs) I agree. I agree. Like, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And there could have been so many places where this was drawn out very differently. We could have seen so many more behind the scenes movements before this happens and all of a sudden it's like oh my god swan's getting deposed what the heck like (laughs) yeah tatara said i can totally see tracy being nice and going to talk to elida just like one time (laughs) (laughs) just to be just to to break the the ice and be like hey yeah but then she wouldn't single white female you and you'd never get away. Oh, God. You'd be too nice no. to cut it off. I'd be too nice to leave. Every, I would try occasionally politely to be like, I really, I really need to go do something. Problems with being too nice. That's what that's labeled as, which is why I'm not always too nice. Thank goodness. Before we go to Chapter 48, shout yes. out to Laris because we didn't say shout out to Laris. Oh, my gosh. You're so right. Aww. Pour one out. She's a real one. She's a G. Just love her. Love you, Loris. Right? I'm going to miss dressing you. Aw. Loris. Okay. So, chapter 48 then? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Chapter 48 and offer refused. All the exposition. 
Rand is still traveling through the waste to Coldrock's hold, with a less than pleasant Avienda still trailing him. The past 12 days have been informative, and Rand feels as though he's always being watched by someone. And he's not really wrong about that. The tediousness of travel comes to an end as they finally reach their destination. You have reached your destination. <laughs> she says in her tom <laughs> voice. I kind of yeah. had to. <laughs> yeah, this is a... I don't know. This is, a, this is an all right chapter. It's mm. mostly just Rand and Avienda. Being children? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of that. We do have a little mischief from this simple glee man, mm. Mattel, or mm-hmm. Mattel, however you mm-hmm. want to say it. Call him that. I am just a simple glee man. Okay, you know what? You know how it... All right. This is how it happens. <laughs> if you say out loud, it's going to be mm-hmm. the best time out, best bell tie ever. It's not mm-hmm. going to be the best bell tie ever. And mm-hmm. if you say, I am just a simple glee man, you are not just a simple glee man. <laughs> and that's even with Tom Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Not a simple glee man. Nope. That's so true. I like that he tries to get Rand to like open up. By being like, let's talk about the worst thing you can possibly imagine happening to yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is... Can we talk about how you're going to go mad and die? <laughs> Great topic. Simple glee, man. What the heck, dude? Who wants to <laughs> talk about that? <laughs> uh... Get out. No, thank you. Yeah. I guess the, the big plot point here is Rand's feelings for Avienda. We can tell that he's trying to shake them off and he's like, no, like, I just want her around because she's the spy and I, it's good to know that she's the spy and not have Mm -hmm. other people spying who I won't know are spying. Right. So he's very much trying to like break it down and make excuses for the feelings that he's having regarding Mm -hmm. her. Yeah. There is like some weirdness with the peddlers besides Natal, like. Kadir keeps offering him something without really mm-hmm. saying what it is. And Rand is just like, all right. <laughs> okay. I don't really know how to respond to that guy. Like, Does anyone, though? Like, right. He's a mysterious. We've got a whole mysterious gaggle of people here. <laughs> I mean, what are they doing, really? Like, just following around the car, Karn? Like, they're not ideal. I, do they think that this is a fun time, maybe? That they're going to make a lot of money? I, I would love this to make more sense than it does. Yeah, I think, I think we're supposed to believe that the idea of profit is enough to continue to drive these peddlers to do what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean... It's Famed not... man of prophecy, going to break the world. Sounds like a good time. Let's go. Like, right. No, yeah. No. No. Guys. And I mean, there have been Trollocs twice now. And they're still, they're still like, yeah, this is a good idea. I can understand why Matt's always like, are the peddlers going to leave now? Are they going to go? Why haven't they left yet? Can I get away with them when they go? I get it. 
Uh, it's just the pattern make sure, making sure that Matt can't sneak away. <laughs> That's the real reason. Right? They're like a uh, force of a corralling system to keep him there. Yes. Yeah. You're right about that, though. It is kind of like this bumbly group of people where it's questionable as to why they're actually there. Yeah. I don't think any of it's good, though. I don't think we're supposed to think any of it's good, though. I mean, the they're out of Ruidion, so they're not... The clans aren't protected by this no bloodshed and Ruidion rule, and mm-hmm. we've got all kinds of shenanigans between these different <laughs> groups of Aiel, mm-hmm. so it's not yeah. safe. It doesn't feel safe, even mm-hmm. if there weren't Trollocs and other shadow spawn and this and that but yeah it's kind of like it's kind of just a meh chapter especially coming right after the one before it where it's just like pow 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 all the things and then it's like rand through the waist some more (laughs) yeah it's like him thinking a lot while he's walking you know like yeah man it's really nice to be riding a horse and not walking (laughs) okay all right, Randy. I, I I guess I needed that. I don't know. Like <laughs> you could have you could have just like fast forwarded to like the after twelve days of wandering through the waste and pretty much keeping up the same routines, they arrive at Cold Wa- Cold Rock's hold, and I think I would have been okay. Yeah, let's let's jump into Cold Rock's hold. Shall I'm we? for that. Yes. So okay. chapter forty nine is Cold Rock's hold. The Aiel have their own traditions for entering a hold, and Rand follows the swift and noisy tide of people moving him along. The first view of Cold Rock's hold is a pleasant surprise, covered in greenness and shade. Traditions continue as permission is asked to enter the hold. Most receive it, but not all. Rand and the other travelers are soon made comfortable with a meal and conversation. Comfort doesn't last long, and Rand soon excuses himself for a walk. I can so easily picture what it looks like in my head. I'm Me too. Definitely seeing some like indigenous American or North American, mm-hmm. South American mm-hmm. style I think North like American. Adobe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but yeah, but I'm also thinking of like places in Turkey where mm. they have these homes that are built inside like into like the rock side oh that's cool places Uh and then i'm also thinking about some of these (laughs) places in morocco where i'm like okay because after hearing of all the shooting that they did in morocco i went down a rabbit hole where you can actually find these like historic villages places where people are living Interesting. But Stone Rock Stone Rock's hold is a bit more green than oh, Cold Cold Rock's hold? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more green than I initially remembered reading about. Mm-hmm. Like I felt mm-hmm. previously like it's just this dusty, very dry spot, but now that going back to it, I'm like, oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, there there's life here. Mm-hmm. It feels vibrant. Like, yeah. unexpectedly so, especially after, like, I mean, we do get the information as they're walking through the waste forever, just how desolate it is, how everything that grows has spikes and 
thorns and most things are poisonous whether they're lizards or snakes like it's all just kind of a hostile territory and so I'm sure this had like this really lush and cool feeling to it as they were coming inside Coldrox Hold. Like it just sounds kind of refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. It does feel refreshing. Right? Like you feel it as you walk inside it. You're like, oh, that feeling of shade after being in the sun for too long. How lovely. Yeah. I thought that the detail to the guy Shan walking around and just like pouring water into individual like planters, I guess. Like water is so sparse of a resource and I'm sure dirt, like good growing dirt probably is too, that like their their way of taking care of this is just so meticulous. You not splash water on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I have to wonder how Rand received an education in various makes of rugs. Like, <laughs> he was like, oh, I see Terran patterns and patterns from Tenchiko and these things. And I'm like, how do you know that? You have a book someplace, how to become an expert. He's on an rug expert woolhead, Tracy. <laughs> how could I forget? He knows his wools. <laughs> and what they get turned into, apparently. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the big moments from this chapter actually comes from the quote that you did at the beginning with Kooladin asking for permission to enter the hold and Leanne being like... Real crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I think... I think we needed Avienda's explanation. Like, we could tell that the reception that Kooladin received from Leanne was not what he wanted, but to give that, like, rejection in a way that the shame didn't fall on all the Shido, and it just was for Kooladin. Like, no shade for you. We have Rand being admitted into... The roof mm-hmm. mistress's home, which is just really cool. Like I got mm-hmm. that it has a big like emotional impact the way that she lets him in, like for mm-hmm. you, the car car, because the way that he asks her, mm-hmm. he does it in a way that he's not coming from a place of authority. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't quite know exactly how to respond, it seems like. So there's this moment of like everyone holding their breath to see what she's mm-hmm. going to respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she answers saying pretty much like you may enter and like your modesty is or not modest modesty. Humility. Humility. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh Rand. Mm-hmm. Aren't I you really a sweet liked boy? that. Or is the mm-hmm. pattern just working for you? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. I mean he's he's at this place where like these are his people and there is like a pull and a draw for him to take on some of those customs that he's kind of expected to and so when he does things a little bit differently I feel like it's him like holding on to who he feels like he is without being completely swept up into a different identity I guess yeah like, I, I really respect his choice not to wear the Caden Soar. 
Like, it just feels like he's he would be pretending. And I feel like all of the other Aiel would think he was pretending too. And that's not the way to go about gaining their allegiance is by pretending to be one of them when he's not. So that was a re- that's a decision I can respect. I can definitely see it that way, but I can also see it as like a... It's almost something ceremonial, right? Mm-hmm. So like if mm-hmm. you were to go into a Jewish cemetery, you cover your head if you're a man. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's... There's signs of respect and articles of clothing that you wear mm. for certain things. And okay. I understand him being like, no, like I would feel like a fraud. But I would also see it from their perspective, like, why why does he refuse to mm. you know adopt this part of the culture, this part of the ceremony, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. Like, I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective where it could potentially be seen as offensive that he's not adopting more of their ways to himself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hmm. who's to say? Who's to say? I, I think in this case, I know we've talked about it multiple times, but there's just like many ways to see things like when we were talking about the tinkers dancing and Perrin being like embarrassed and it's like yeah because you're making him uncomfortable and I get that but at the same time it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to I don't know be like culturally you, you shouldn't expect I don't know you should try and keep an open mind I guess mm-hmm. yeah no that's true that's true an open mind is important frequently. And if Rand like closes himself off, then he becomes less approachable in some ways. I can yeah. see your point. Yeah, I absolutely can. Anyways, Ruark Anyways. shows up, puts his arm around <laughs> these two women, and he's like, these are my wives. These are my wives. <laughs> this is my wife. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> Ruark now has a Borat accent. That's <laughs> my wife. Especially when he's talking about either Amy or Leanne. It's always going to be like that now. I do like the attention to like all of this, all of the problems that are going to await Rand once he reaches Alcar, Alcar Dahl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Rand needs to get there, and he needs to get there fast, because the longer that savannah is Mm -hmm. there like working her Mm -hmm. magic i guess on these people he needs to be the first to get there and he can't Mm -hmm. let this opportunity slip from him because he needs everyone to fall in line Mm -hmm. and that comes up a little bit more in the next chapter but Mm -hmm. we do know like when he's talking to ruark he's like what can I do? You know, how can I, how can I make this work? Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but when everyone sees you and they see the dragons, you can't fake that. You can't cheat that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I, you know, I know what's going to happen. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, dragons anytime, I have dragons. <laughs> anytime you make that statement, there's absolutely no way or mm-hmm. it's going to definitely happen this way. 
It's there is no way to imitate dragons. No. Okay. Okay. End of story. Can't do it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, this is him talking about Savannah and like how long Rand is potentially going to have to sit there and wait. Yeah. While all of the clan chiefs get together. I just figured out what the the merchants and the puddlers are doing. What? They're actually just a mobile tattoo shop. (laughs) They're hanging out with the IEL. Who wants some dragons? Right? Everyone's getting dragon tattoos. Dragon tattoo for you, and for you, and for you. Everyone gets a dragon tattoo. Yeah, it, Maureen doesn't really, I think, I think the statement that she makes of where do you mean to lead the spears to war once more is what, like, tips him, yes, this, sorry, Hyler Tatara just did the Oprah, you get a thing, and you get a thing, yes. But, Moraine's like question is like his la- it's the last straw for for Rand. He's like I'm done talking. I'm out. I'm gonna go for a walk. And they just they let him go. And that's probably really smart. Like let him let him have his own time out. It's important. We all need that sometimes. Yeah, I don't think that there was really anything left that I had for this chapter. Did you? Have any nope. Point? I do not. And the next chapter is more fun anyway. Traps. Do you want to move along to our next chapter? Sounds good. Awesome. So chapter 50 is Traps. In an attempt to mollify Avienda, Rand decides to find her gift. His search leads him to the roof of the maidens, and once they find out who the gift is for, another Aiel ceremony unfolds around him. Avienda has mixed emotions around the gift, but ultimately tells Rand to kick rocks so she can finish beating rugs. There's a curious encounter with some of the wise ones before Rand is shown his sleeping quarters. He sleeps and dreams and then wakes to find he is not alone and the hold is under attack. Yeah. Any particular points you want to jump off with from this chapter? Hmm. So Rand gives Avienda a bracelet and Mm. she seems scandalized by it. Not really scandalized, but not happy about it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was like a viper on her arm, she would mm-hmm. probably be more enthusiastic <laughs> than this bracelet. But she right. makes a good point, you know, like you can't be jangling about when you're trying to be sneaky and be, a, be an Aiel lady. Yeah. Good thing sure. she's being a wise woman. But mm-hmm. still, dumb answer, Rand, because even the wise ones probably don't want to be old jangling about (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean they don't have the same concerns but at the same time they're still ideal so it makes sense yeah and we learn that the wise ones are trying to get this intel on rand not so much because they want a spy just for the sake of spying on him Mm-hmm. But there is a fear there because he's supposed to break their people mm-hmm. and they don't really know what he's going to do or what he's going to say. So, yeah. And then there's that whole like, is it Malayne? When they like run it, like when the wise ones run into Rand and they like have this like little moment and Malayne is like, I would lay a and like one of the other wise ones is like, no, let's just go. Yeah, he's like, yeah. what does she mean? What would Amy's she do? Cuts her off. 
If I have to lay the dot, mm. dot, dot. Right. And of course, because Rand hasn't been paying attention, he has no idea what she's talking about. He's been too busy thinking about riding horses and bracelets. <laughs> Rand. Okay. So after he has his encounter with the wise ones, he's escorted into his sleeping quarters and he's like i am tired and of course once he falls asleep he goes and he has a dreamception a dreamception <laughs> yeah uh, this you know i'm i'm currently in a i'm rewatching true blood because it's it's been some years i can't believe that show is close to like it's probably closer to 20 years old than 10 really i feel like it i feel like it yeah i'd have to double check 2007 i don't know i don't know but (laughs) anyways spoilers (laughs) i don't know it's an old show so i if you haven't watched it i'm sorry but there's a moment where they go into, like, the fairy realm, the fae realm, mm. and, like, everything's all dreamy, and the the sound effects are very, like, there's, like, chimes. You know when Moraine and Lan are in the jacuzzi in the bathtub, and he's like, <laughs> it could be warmer, and she does a little swirl with her hand, and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. like, this little, like, chimey noise. It's like, yeah. this is the sound of magic happening. <laughs> That, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> when <laughs> Suki is in the fairy realm, it's like that weird filter. So everything looks really like glowy. And that's mm-hmm. how I see this whole moment in the dream with Lanfear doing the backstroke, like in this <laughs> pool. It's just really cheesy in my head. Yeah. But, but not like, not cheesy bad, like cheesy endearing. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, Lanfear, she's doing the backstroke, then some shadowy, blurred, faceless person enters the picture, and he's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then we kind of, like, have cut screen. That's actually Rand a perfect description up. of that scene. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> Ah, yeah, so he wakes up, and he's like, I'm not alone, and so he channels, and everything lights up, and Avienda's sitting on the floor in his room, and wrapped in air, and shit, that just happened. Yeah, I especially like the Drakkar scene, because the Mm. Drakkar is like, ooh, gonna hypnotize you, Mm -hmm. and Rand's like, nah, I got this, and he's all, you know, He's in the zone, right? He's in the void, the calm in the void, and Mm -hmm. he just, like, walks up and slices its head in half, and I'm Mm. like, yes! (laughs) Finally! Like, give me a Mm -hmm. scene like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I really wanted Drakkar in the show. I think, I think we have to have them. I think we have to. I think we have to have a vast majority of the creatures from the books to the tv series because i think so many of them are just like 
I don't know, they're fun blends of things that we know, but done like a little bit differently. And so I think it would be fun to have it visualized for us. I do think that Rand like has another cool moment where <laughs> it's like full chaos, right? Everyone's running around like, ah, <laughs> and Ruark hands him a shufa. <laughs> right. Like, Here you go, buddy. So Rand like starts to put it on and then he's laughing. And he's like, yeah, like, let him see my face and starts running around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> it's also, I don't know, comical, but fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, when the TV show gets there, I mean, specifically when it gets to season three, which is supposed to be most of the Shadow Rising, mm-hmm. I know that so much is going to get cut. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Rand having a Drakkar's head in two seems like fun times. I'm down. I think I don't think that that's too much to ask for. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, even like this moment with Matt, he's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yelling things and doing things. And they're like, are you a battle leader among the wetlanders? And he's like, oh, I read a book or two read once a book. upon a time. Matt did not read a book. No one believes you, Matt. <laughs> no, one, no one believes you. Uh, I mean. I, just, I love that that's his go-to now. Like, mm-hmm. anytime he does something that's that people are questioning or doesn't quite like know what to think he's like oh yeah like i know a few lines of the old tongue because Mm -hmm. i learned it once or i read a book and it's like oh man no No one believes you oh also moraine is you know she's doing circles of light and right all expressionless and pretty much doing wine spring in 2.0 where she's (laughs) just throwing out weaves left and right and just being uh, amazing like she is in the heat of battle. Mm-hmm. I do love that. Yeah, and then she, she's, I can just picture her kind of like, w- like wiping her skirt very calmly, like as, I don't know, like, like blood flies somewhere and she's like, just kind of like, oh, like my gown, like this is, this is annoying, but mm-hmm. Very, like, calm, and then she says, prophecy is most dangerous when you try and make it happen. Did you mm-hmm. learn that in Tear? hmm And she's explaining how the pattern is weaving around Rand, mm-hmm. and when he's trying to weave it, yep. he can't hold the weight, the force of the pattern. Yep. yep. Like, oh, more rain. Just And it can explode. She needs more chapters. She this seriously is... does. We do not get enough more rain time. I'm surviving on crumbs. I agree with you. Yeah. And like this this moment between her and Rand where she's like, why won't you trust me? I just want you to trust me. And he's like, I need you to promise these things. And she's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And he's like, then I can't trust you. And I'm like, guys, like on this one, I kind of want to shake Rand. Like I understand his distrust in some ways but i also don't know why he would deprive himself of an advisor that has dedicated the vast majority of her life to finding him and helping him because she's i mean she's just not being 
transparent with him. And it's unfortunate. Do you think that that lack of transparency for Moraine, like, it's is it protective? I think it's just, it's just how she is as an Aes Sedai, and it's just how she is because she's from Kyrian. Mm-hmm. It's like you can mm. only trust yourself, and you don't go about, like, being transparent with people. It's just not what you do. So she, it's something that I feel like she would have to unlearn, and she was just never in a position mm. where she needed to unlearn that as a habit. So yeah, yeah. Like protecting herself, absolutely. That's a really good point. Like I'm, I'm thinking about all the time that she spends on the road with just Lan. Right. Like, social he knows interactions. Everything. Yeah, like social interactions. He can just feel how she's feeling. She doesn't have to express anything. Like, she's cold. He knows it. She's angry. He knows it. Like, yeah. Her social skills have probably not been. Uh, honed to a gentle position. Huh. Little little Moraine chat. I'm always here for that. Yeah. One of the... Sh- should we jump into spoilers real I was, quick before Yeah, I was going to say, we only have about 15 minutes left, and yes, spoilers sound great. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on The Road to Tarvalin. There is so much going on in these few chapters Mm -hmm. that have to deal with Mm-hmm. Or at least making me think about people spying on people in their dreams. Like, mm. the wise ones are doing it to Rand, mm-hmm. and he figures this out, and he's rightfully very upset. But we know that the moments with Egwene are coming soon, where she starts sexception. I don't know how to <laughs> explain it. Inception, sexceptioning Gawain, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. she's going into his dreams, and mm-hmm. I, I, that's that gives me the ick. Right, right. But Lanfear is doing it to Rand as well, mm-hmm. where she's jumping in into his dreams, and now we have shadowy, blurred face man who I'm assuming is Asmodian. A.K.A. Natale. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask who you thought it was. I mean, it feels it feels like it would be him, mm-hmm. but maybe not because he's High Lord Tatara mm-hmm. says it is him. Okay, okay, yeah, I think so too. But again, like I just land fear, land fear, get over it. He's a child. I mean, it, it, yes. Yes. Because like, watching him, like, Rand, why are you dreaming about these women? Right. I don't know, because they're his own age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of them he's made out with, so, you know. The other one he thinks about all the time. He's a young man. Of course he's going to dream about women that 
I mean, women. We'll just... <laughs> These are just his, the three that he has in mind at the moment. So... And I mean, like you said, like, I wish he would... Land Fear would just leave him be. Like, the... The age difference is just kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't know why you would be at that age and be like, a guy who's, like, maybe 20? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. I can't. No. I don't know. Every once in a while, I go through, like, watching just really crappy TV shows where it's, you know, it's scripted, but they're like, it's reality TV. And... It always throws me for a loop when it's like, oh, like, it's a guy and he's like, yeah, like, I I do this. I'm a personal trainer. I just turned 19. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what what are you watching, Amber? No. Turn this off. <laughs> Turn this off. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, I don't know, writing a character like someone who's that old going after a young boy. Yeah. Kinda. I mean, the fact that she something, almost... Something she, else. She consistently makes herself look younger when she's around him because she can and because the other way is creepy. I just had a thought. Sorry to kind of like no. derail you on the no. Lanfear talk. No, it's, but we, we talk about Lanfear all the time. You're good. Go. So... Show Tom does not play a harp or a flute. He has a guitar. Guitar, yeah. So what is Asmodian? What like what's his <gasps> weapon of choice? An accordion. Electric, <laughs> electric <laughs> guitar. <laughs> Recorder. Oh my god, yeah. Keytar. A keytar? <gasps> I love that. Oh my god, good point, good point. Because I bet, I bet Gleeman probably gets to choose. Maybe he doesn't have, mm, no. Because if it's oh, Asmodian, he's all the about most music. annoying thing ever. What? <laughs> if he's more of like a bongos and tambourine type oh, of man. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and now, now I'm trying to think. What would, what what would Asmodian choose? Like considering the person he is, I expect him to have like a portable harpsichord or something. You know, like right. he just thinks so much of himself. What instrument? Like a harp? <laughs> he has like one of the large harps. Yeah, I feel like if you want him to be cool, you do something like harmonica. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh! That would be fun. Oh, that would be so fun. Right. Sorry, at first it was like kind of amusing, and then I was like, no, that's actually really fun. Like, the harmonica can be impactful. Like, I, I was just watching Cowboy Bebop, the anime version, recently, and there's like a, there's an entire episode that's about this little kid, quote unquote, that plays harmonica, and the music for it is so good. The music for Cowboy Bebop in general is really good. I love that idea, is what I'm saying. I'm seeing Asmodian more of like a one-man band type of guy. <laughs> so like the symbols between his knees and like the, the little slidey thing in his hands, whatever that is. Yes. There is a musician called Bob Log. And 
like Bob B O B L O G Bob Log. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's a one man band. Well, he's actually Bob Log the third. I don't know why the third, but if if you want to see some of the most ridiculous one man banding, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is a show you won't forget ever in your life. Never ever. Interesting. Never ever. Hmm. But I don't. I'm. I'm trying to think about this. These chapters in general, and I didn't have like a ton of like spoilery spoiler stuff because we're kind of strapped for time. Mm-hmm. But I really want to know how Kuladen gets his tattoos. Like, mm. I think it explains. Did, did Asmodian make them? Like, is there? Some like channeling tattoo weave. Like, I don't. He doesn't seem like a dark friend. Mm-mm. He just seems like a maniac. Isn't there. How says Asmodian did it? Okay. I would just love to get to see, like, exactly what that looked like, you know? Like, Do you how think- does that. How does that work? I mean, my traveling tattoo wagon isn't that far out of the realm of possibilities <laughs> now but <laughs> like did Good someone point. actually tattoo him or was it a weave you know i think it's a weave like i i feel as though it's a it's a weave but i don't i don't know for sure i mean like the 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 color the ink the pigment it has to come somewhere did he weave it the pigment into his skin or was it like magic now you're colorful you know so i'm thinking about like how you can change your appearance using weaves maybe there's something similar that like i don't know because i'm with you especially like on the ink part like and at the same time it was that like one of his modian side gigs like he liked music and he was a tattoo artist the next thing you know, he's going to start a barber shop in Manhattan where it's like, we do tattoos, we do music, we cut hair. <laughs> one-stop shop. Barber. They're a barber, too. Might as well toss mm-hmm. that in there. They do it all. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I feel as though in my mind it's a weave, and I think maybe that's just to, like, keep the story as simple as possible because what else would a person who could channel choose to do? I mean, he is from the age of legends so <laughs> i mean who knows what those channelers were doing maybe that was like right if it was if it was a real tattoo like if they actually did it like he would be kind of swollen and scabby for a couple of days and right. everyone would be like cool it in we know you were like behind a rock and you did that to yourself <laughs> But if it's just like magic like Rand where he comes out and they're perfectly healed and sparkly mm-hmm. then i'm gonna go with weave magic tattoos mm-hmm. see and i i lean towards that or robert jordan just had never had a tattoo so he doesn't know that <laughs> they get scabby does and a robert little jordan gross. have tattoos you know what i have no idea it wouldn't surprise mm. me if he did though right i'm just thinking of the military exactly aspect. Yeah, yeah. Although my father was in the military, he did not have tattoos, and he was very disapproving of his children wanting tattoos, which didn't stop any of us. It's like a religious thing. Yeah. More conservative. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
I mean, that's Ooh, yeah, that's our like definitely. Ooh. Mm. Lynn says, I wonder if the show will jazz up the dragons. I, I, w- could... I would hope so. I would mm-hmm. hope that it looks cool. But then again, the more complex it is, mm-hmm. that yeah. is going to be a nightmare for mm-hmm. makeup. Yeah. 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 To keep it and consistent. And Rand having to sit there for probably two hours while they yeah. put this on him every day before they shoot. And I mean, I want it to sparkle. Like, I don't think you're going to get your sparkles. I know. Crazy. I know. Like, I think that's one of those things that I'm just going to have to keep in, like, my, my mind palace visualizer is, like, it's just, I mean. Tracy's like, they, they couldn't invent sparkling tattoos. I'm never <laughs> watching again. <laughs> nah, I'm, good. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. I just think it'd be so cool. Like, I want, I want that. Like an iridescent sparkly tattoo? That sounds amazing. I'm good on the sparkles. It doesn't doesn't feel it feels a little outlandish for me, I guess. It does. And I I think I think considering the tone of the show, if they did that, it would probably feel really off. Like to have it look and feel more like a traditional style tattoo i suppose would <laughs> you mean you don't want it to be like <laughs> like modern tattoos no <laughs> no i mean i kind of do because i really like those but i just don't know if it matches the tone of the show like thinking about it in my head as it's going in the direction that we've seen i don't feel <laughs> i don't feel like they are leaning towards a sparkly version of this tattoo, unfortunately. I don't want to see this. Okay, here's a nitpick for me. I don't want to see any bright colored tattoos that are mm-hmm. like blue or purple. Mm-hmm. Because if you go like, if you're talking about traditional tattoos, then those like pigments weren't used up until mm-hmm. a certain period. So like mm-hmm. anything with blue in it just feels very I don't know 1990 19, 2000 mm-hmm. neons yeah little, yeah that's a no for me dog yeah I kind of uh I don't know when I picture it for this show I don't see it sparkling when I picture it when I read the books it's different and that's okay it's like getting to enjoy the same thing in different ways and I I enjoy that yeah, they did a really good job with Suan's tattoos. Agreed. And that's not even like a book thing, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that whatever they come up with for Rand will be very cool. Agreed. I really want to see the Windfinders. I hope they're pierced, like, mm-hmm. fully, like, everywhere, ears, nose. I want it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The medallions on the chain. I yeah, want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I want the hand tattoos for the sea yes. folks too. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I think we have to have that. Like, like just like we have with Swan and her tattoos. This is a cultural thing for the sea folk. It identifies like what clan they belong to and like their rank for their piercings and whatnot. And not bringing those to the show, I feel, would just be. I don't know. 
it would diminish the world building that's available and it seems like such a simple thing to add you know yeah maybe Kulidin's tattoos are just like the cereal box ones where you like lick them and stick them (laughs) I was actually thinking about that like maybe he has the temporary tattoos and he has to like go behind a rock every once in a while to reapply them he's like has it been 30 seconds <laughs> like spitting into his hands yeah. like why is there no water around here exactly <laughs> he starts walking away with a jug of water and everyone's like where are you going with that <laughs> what are you That's, doing what are you doing you better not be drinking all that water by yourself Glidden. that is selfish <laughs> what are you doing that's what's happening <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think for me, like as far as spoilers, and I won't take too long because I know we're like running short on time. Oh my God, it's an hour 30. You know what? It doesn't matter. I can talk about it another time because we'll get there. I was just going to talk about like Swan's journey after being stilled. It is quite the journey. You know mm-hmm. what? Mm. This was, I couldn't say this while we were in the non-spoiler section, and this will be my last thought, but yeah, I can't believe that this is the last time that we get any chapters inside the White Tower <gasps> when things were like, okay, because now from here on up, it's all the White Tower split, and yeah. the two different groups of Aes Sedai, and mm-hmm. we will never have a White Tower chapter, a Tarvalon chapter that is, like, normal. Wow. Wow. So sad. Yeah. And, I mean, thinking about the directions that Elida chooses to go, what happens with her and Alviren, like, wow. Yeah. That's a really good point. And it definitely, like, tinges the way that future readings will happen. Right? It makes me that much more appreciative to Prime Video giving us more Mm -hmm. White Tower moments Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. we're supposed to, because with the way that they are condensing things, that would have meant maybe we had, like, two White Tower Mm -hmm. episodes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that would not have been enough. Yeah, 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 that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, okay. Okay. I think that's everything. I mean, we could keep talking, but respect for time. Yeah, (laughs) so glad that everyone was able to join us today. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.